Hi, you're listening to Elevate, the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Being comfortable in your own skin is what matters. Everyone will have their own ways of judgment, but just being who you are is what makes a difference. Acceptance is one of the main things where you can actually work around, yeah? Whatever part you choose, the world can be changed by you. You don't need to change for the world. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, a series designed to explore teachings, ideas, and thoughts on empowering young girls while celebrating difference. I'm Ramita Anand, your host, teacher, and educational mentor, and I'll be chatting with insightful activists, thought leaders, creatives, and all-round brilliant champions for girls. Through these conversations and my work at Elevate RA Mentoring Services, I hope we can join forces to foster meaningful connections in order to alter the narrative around what being different, especially for young girls, signifies. My guest today is a young lady joining me from Nairobi, Kenya, who is eager to bring awareness on her struggles in order to help girls who are going through similar situations. As a young girl, my guest, Sean B. Shaw, was diagnosed with achondroplasia, a condition that affects the cartilage and bones and typically causes dwarfism. This condition is caused by genetic mutations, which means that it can occur within any family. Individuals with achondroplasia are typically very short in stature, with average heights ranging from 4 foot 1 to 4 foot 4 inches. Having this physical difference and moving through a world that has not been created to help you succeed is a huge limitation that many are struggling with. And I am grateful for having Shanbi, along with her mom, Kalpana, here today to shed light on how they have bravely taken on these challenges from the lifelong circumstances that were presented by Shani's condition. Kalpana, also brought up in Nairobi, studied travel and tourism here in the UK. After finishing school, she became a fashion designer and for the last 30 years has been in this field of work. She has two children with her husband, Shanmi, who's with us today, and older son, Vineet. Today, I'll be speaking with Shani, who is 22 and a recent graduate of graphic design, along with her mother, who is better known as Bella, and has been instrumental in helping her daughter achieve her dreams in a world that often felt like it was working against her. The Elevate mission is always, as you know, to shine a light and bring awareness on having differences and how we can elevate each other and celebrate our uniqueness. So I wanted to discuss this journey that Shani and her family have been on with others so that we can all do our bit in making this world a more inclusive and kinder place. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guests to this very special episode, Shani and Bella. Thank you very much for coming on to the Elevate podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us here. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. You're, we're speaking from Nairobi. You're in Nairobi, correct? Yes, we are yeah. in Nairobi. Yes, and I'm in London. So this is really lovely that despite the world having all sorts of different locations that we are able to connect and meet through the, you know, the, one of the wonderful benefits of social media was our connection so a very big advantage i think throughout the world especially we realized uh, over covid times that how how 
uh, easy it was to connect with the whole world or people around us. Yes, absolutely. So that's been really nice for us to be able to connect and have met. And I've shared Shani's journey on a blog post. So many of my listeners, if you follow the Elevate blog, you may have already heard some of the insights that Shani has shared about her condition and her diagnosis already, because she so kindly wrote such a lovely and personal piece for us. But I wanted to take this conversation a bit further because some of the questions and ways to bring awareness to others, I think, can be enhanced through the work that you've done alongside Shani. So I'm going to interview both of you today because I think having your perspective on raising a daughter, which is a lot of the listeners of the podcast, are parents and carers and particularly mothers who spend a lot of time with their girls. And obviously, if you're a young mum or a mum with a child who has any kind of difficulty or challenge, then having a bit of time with another parent who might be going through something similar and can share may make them feel less isolated and less alone. Yes, I think um, from what my experience has been, I think it is important to share your um, experiences and the growth of your children or in any special condition, if any parent has, it has to be a very open sort of a, a life towards them. And even the parents should be uh, sort of in a position to accept the condition. And I think it will bring a betterment opener for the child and a better opener for the growth of the child in in uh, for her future journey yeah sure let's talk about that process then Kelvin I'm going to start with you in terms of being a mother obviously you have such hopes such expectations you're pregnant you may and you already had another child before you had Shani and I wanted to talk to you about the process of you getting to the place where you are as uh, speaking so comfortably and confidently and so proudly about your daughter and I think that not all of us can be at that place all the time or start out at that place when we begin our journeys with our children, especially those who do have challenge or differences. So let's go right back to getting a better understanding from you and your perspective. How did you get the news or when did you find out and get to have a clear understanding of what Shani's condition is, what her diagnosis was and what it meant for her? I was pregnant with Shani. We normally actually had a ultrasound every couple of months. Yeah, we normally go through two, three ultrasounds. But I actually in my 34th week, um, I went for an ultrasound and uh, the condition was picked up at that point. Yeah, because they could actually see the um, uh, measurement of the femur and the, the leg and the arms were not sort of in position, like appropriate in the in line, yeah. So we were actually sort of guided by my uh, person who was doing my ultrasound, and we went to see the doctor straight away. And uh, he sort of explained us that uh, it seems that uh, there is a little issue with the uh, baby, and but uh, we came to terms with it, and. Uh, my husband and myself worked towards it and we had decided whatever it is, we have to be ready to accept it and nourish our child and bring the child to the world and nourish uh, nourish the child in the best way possible we can. Yeah, it could not have been an easy piece of information to digest. Can you talk us through the emotions that you were feeling at that moment? I was quite shattered and broken because I was young. I didn't know where I was going, what I was heading for. Uh, my mom just told me one little sentence. 
whatever has whatever god has planned and whatever god has given you it is it is a gift from god and that's the message you want to pass on to other parents yeah that's lovely it's a very beautiful blessing to us and shani has really brought a lot of change in our life yeah and she has taught us so much oh i i sense your incredible love for her and and your pride for her and it's gorgeous that you've got these fantastic positive ways of looking back at what was a time that was quite difficult for you at the start and you said you were broken you said you were heartbroken maybe even but that is the thing that I want to pick up on and to relate to other parents who might be going through some of those emotions because immediately with those feelings sometimes you start to feel guilt and I don't know if you experience that because you think I don't have the right to feel sad or broken it's her my child is the one who's suffering i should be yet i do think parents need to give themselves a little bit of a break and also maybe allow themselves these emotions allow themselves the moments to get over their tiredness so that they can carry on and look after their young ones right yeah i think i went through that phase initially when it was actually um the when i came to know that um, shani had this condition and till the time she was born we were quite anxious about it yeah like uh, it's a very no- natural and a very normal process any any human mind would go through because we were really not sure what condition how or what whether she'll be able to walk or whatever but then i think with time and with lot of support from the family and between uh, first and foremost between manish and myself we made a decision that whatever the condition would be we would gracefully accept it and fight it out and of course we got a lot of support from our two moms our family and friends yeah acceptance is one of the main things where you can actually work around yeah you talk a little bit about the fact that you had support from the family and you relied a lot on that and then obviously you relied on your faith and your belief and your mindset you had to create a positive mindset for yourself and look at the situation with whatever positivity you possibly could now you can call that religion or you can call that a way of thinking or spirituality or whatever one might use in order to gain that strength or inner strength which is clearly what you relied on but i wanted to touch on whether or not you got any medical support as you said there was so much uncertainty around whether she might walk or what her future might look like or what physical ailments she might have when you are a new parent life is confusing no matter what but i imagine when you are a new parent with a condition you've never experienced before and then you're looking at each other and you and your husband are working through this and i'm sure you made a pact which is a wonderful start obviously but in terms of practically raising a child with these challenges was there where you were in Kenya any kind of medical support and if there was what are there websites or places where other parents might you might send them to to get more information on the actual condition living in Kenya we have a good medical support teams around but we don't have specialists for different conditions or different chronic illnesses yeah certain times we have to rely on to the uh, western world or any other part of the world to get more uh, sort of support 
from there but uh, in shani's case yes uh, initially like i said uh, i think my spirituality really sort of helped me a lot uh, i gave it a year when she was actually born and i was like we were constantly monitoring her worried my pediatricians were there they tried to sort of look into the condition and they would actually support us advisors and they were very very up to it like any any appointments we went to uh, they would actually go to the bottom of it and how her growth was how her uh, inner sort of growth condition was her vitals were yeah they were constantly monitoring when the 9 10 months passed i was very worried whether she will sit or whether she will be able to walk no matter how much information we were getting gathered from the internet we got into touch with so many medical uh practitioners from uh, overseas my pediatricians were always up to it and um uh i think we gave it a time we took her very gradually and uh, at the age of i mean uh, when she turned about 2 to and a quarter years she started taking her first steps and that was a real milestone for us and that really uh sort of lit us up and we were so happy that at least she's gone on her feet and we were like i was constantly worried whether she'll be able to sit or stand or yeah walk because it was a very very new and a rare condition which we were actually experiencing and is that because there just isn't a universal understanding of andropausia is it because every child presents differently and the statistics are different for every family or is there a more general understanding that yes these children might take longer but they will develop and they will walk and they will go to school i mean is is that something fair to say i would say yes uh, it depends uh, how the condition of the child is like with chani uh, we were given the worst picture and the uh the condition where we could work around i didn't ever compare her to my son's upbringing and that was the first and foremost thing i did yeah because every child every human is different in their own base and i think that's how we took shani because the moment you feel the child can't do anything or will she be able to do or whether she'll be able to do or not that is where you bring restrictions in her growth and we kept shani very open towards everything even during like her school days or taking her out in any place or taking her out in the society she was treated very normally by us and i think that is the reason that the acceptance towards people like how they could accept her because we had accepted her as an individual not as of a special child yeah yes of course there's so much you've said there that's um so inspiring and i think so much of that has to do with the work that we try to do with young girls and and teaching them so you come from already a very strong growth mindset staying extremely sure that you don't put limitations on a child even before they've even if they present that they might have limitations that you try to defy those and you don't put yourself in a box and you you really try to defy the 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 societal expectations of whatever it might be or you don't hide away from the challenge that you've been presented all of these issues uh, or these topics or things that we talk about in the elevate program and it seems like you had to live it when you were raising shani with such strength and such grace which is 
so admirable. Um, I guess you did touch a little bit on the fact that you have to treat both your children as individuals. And that is, of course, true for all families. But I wonder, given the amount of patience that you needed and the amount of time, as you said, because you took it gradually with Shani, you didn't put too much pressure on her either, but you did want to see her persevere. It must have taken more time to be with her than it did with your son. Or I wonder how that affected your family dynamics between Winnie and Shani, like I said, there is a four years of difference of gap. By the time Winnie was uh, four years, Shani was born. So initially, I think there was a lot of confusion, a lot of things we were trying to figure out and all. But uh, when it came to both, both of them as an individual and both of like for for us being parents, we always made sure that Winnie's life was never neglected or his needs were never neglected and what Shani needed was ever looked into as well yeah it was all balanced out because uh, I think sometimes you tend to neglect your um uh, between both the siblings, you just take it for granted that he has to understand. Now I've got a special child. My 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 life is more diverted towards her. I did actually work around through my timings, and with Chani, like we took her very gradually, but there was no comparison. Yeah, that's a brilliant reminder for all parents, isn't it? It's very difficult sometimes to remember that comparison can be the thief of joy in many respects. And I think it's great that you had that even within your children, but then also then within your peer groups as well. I suppose that message goes right across as not comparing your daughter to anyone else's daughter and making sure that you you always treat each child as their own individual and celebrate them for who they are, which is great. I think that is one of the most important key factor in uh, uh, growing uh, growing up when you have different uh, sort of siblings who are with different I never ever sort of compared her to any of her friends yeah and when Shani was born and the first thing that stuck to me that no I cannot have that mindset or I cannot have that regret in me that why is Shani a special child or why is she not what I had dreamt of. Shani is Shani. I have to bring her up the way she is. I have to nourish her and take out her. And that is how I actually strongly put my head. And she's actually become a very beautiful soul. And she is so much into fashion. You'll be surprised when we talk further. She sort of guides me now. She even gives me a lot of yeah, so it is all a very natural process. And I think you really have to set your mind into such in certain situations. If you are stuck into one situation or certain uh, wavelength of thinking, it will never bring you out. It will, it, it could have actually messed Shani's upbringing, yeah, if I was in one wavelength of thinking, yeah. That's so beautiful. I love hearing stories of such gorgeous uh, love and inspiration. It's, it's lovely. So Shani, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more now, if that's okay. Thank you, Bella, for bringing in some of your really personal emotions and sharing your experiences uh, in the early days of, of having Shani in your life. And so with hindsight, Shani, you're sitting with me today. You're in your early 20s, a wonderfully graduated university student. You have on all levels, exceeded probably many of the expectations your parents might have had for, for when they first got that scary piece of information when you were 34 weeks in her, your mom's tummy. So tell me, sitting where you are today, why was doing this imp interview important to you? Well, my condition is very small awareness given right now. 
And yes, my family, my friends and everyone, they love me for who I am. But for the other people who don't know this condition, I feel that it was it was time to be told about what it is to go through a chondroplasia, what it is to be small in some aspects. So that's why I really wanted to bring it out in the interview. How old were you when you consciously recognized that things were different for you or that you have, might have some limitations? Yeah, I was. I think I was when I was three to four years old is when I consciously recognized that I have I couldn't do some of the activities or things my friends could do in school or kindergarten because like for them to get for example for them to get onto a swing was way easier for me to get onto a swing I had to be pushed I mean I had to be carried onto a swing and they could easily jump onto the swing and swing themselves while whereas someone had to push me or anything like getting onto the chairs that's when I sort of realized because then that's when all the kids started grow also that so that's when I realized that I am like that's when I have a small condition is when I recognized it. Okay, so as young as three, when you're at nursery, I suppose that makes a lot of sense. You've now in a in a playgroup with other kids, you're in a playground and they're running off independently and you're still waiting for some support, which must have made you feel a little bit like, hang on a minute, or did you have a bit of a, why, hang on, why, why is this happening? Did someone talk to you at that time or did your parents sit you down or tell me how you learned that you had a condition called acroplasia? My parents had told me, had explained to me that I have a condition called achondroplasia, where it, where my where my legs and arms are short structured, and it's another form of dwarfism. So they just explained to me that I have this condition, and they installed a lot of confidence into me that I shouldn't be afraid of whether there's big people or short, like fat people or anything. They always told me that. Um, they, these people shouldn't affect me because there's so, so many sorts of people in the world. There's thin people, there's fat people, there's short people, there's tall people. So I should be an individual of who I am and that's how I should continue. Well, that's brilliant. And that's a wonderful message to portray even today with girls that don't have a condition. They compare themselves to other people and they don't think they're tall enough or small enough or big enough or whatever it is that they, so they're looking to constantly look for things that are missing in their life. And I think that's one of the biggest dangers in young girls, particularly, is that they're never focusing and celebrating what they do have. They're always looking at what they don't have. And I wonder with you, who genuinely didn't have the same ability to get on and do the things that your peers were doing, how did that make you feel? Even if your parents were giving you these positive messages, were there times where you might've felt a little sorry for yourself or you might've felt a little sad? There were times where I'd feel upset that I couldn't do things my friends could do. And it wasn't easy for me. So I would become very upset. I would cry initially because I was young and it, I was more, like little. So I, for me to understand all this at an early age was very dif different to what I understand now. But now where I am today is when I understand it more. And before I couldn't tackle what I could tackle now, and now is when I can tackle some of the issues by myself. Oh, that's amazing. It's so wonderful. And yet how blessed and how fortunate to have such a wonderful group of people that you've got. You're, I call them the, the your support squad in, in the Elevate program. So having and surrounding yourself with your cheerleaders and having these fantastic champions for you is wonderful. What can we tell those families or those children that maybe don't have 
a stronger foundational support group around them. For other kids who are going through that phase, I think they should, it's more bringing awareness and open up and like you can do everything because in this world, even if you're small or anything, I feel you can do whatever you want in this world. In sciences and stuff, we ha- I had my special step stools so I could take part in the experiments with them or whether it was like writing on the whiteboard, I had my stools given to me in all the classrooms. So I wasn't ever left out. I was part of it as much as my friends and like, Everyone was in in class. And that was important to you, obviously. Yes, it was. So was there ever a time, because I've read some stories in my research for this interview of other people in the UK that have had dwarfism, have gone off to have great careers. But when they talk about their teen years, or they look back on their early childhood, it's full of, unfortunately, a lot of sadness because the world can be cruel as well as there are kind people and there are good people like your teachers were but this few stories that I've read about especially in teenage years that these people were bullied treated unfairly called horrible names did you ever have to under did you ever experience anything untoward you from people that are ignorant or didn't have the full understanding I was looked at because I was short I was bullied, but I was not extremely bullied at all. I Because of my height, people used to point at me, like even kids who were younger than me, when I used to, like when we were older, they would still laugh at me because I was short and I was not as tall as they were and still they were young and they were taller than me. So I have gone through issues like that. I really don't know why they're laughing at me or pointing at me especially when new kids come because when we grow we have all the people around us who are like there and they know me for who I am but then is when they go and explain to them that you need to like not look at her like that or you need to stop so yeah I have been through those journeys and I have like it has upset me in certain aspects but I think I've come out of it which is good Yeah. And luckily you had a lot of people to pick you up when you were down. But I suppose I would love to know from you is, did it impact your self-esteem? I would say it did affect me at certain points because my friends were growing up. They were becoming like, not like individuals in their teenage years. I was still at that same height. So it would affect me sometimes that, oh, my friends are like, tall and they're growing up and they get stuff done very easy like they can manage themselves they can they're independent more and for me it was a bit different because I needed help sometimes I needed assistance and because of my height I couldn't reach some stuff so I had to rely like I have to rely on people to help me so it did hurt me like it did hurt my self-esteem because even people would look down upon me sometimes that I'm small and I am at this age and I'm still small so it used to hurt me a lot but I feel now it doesn't affect me anymore because I love who I am right now and I'm happy about it. Isn't that amazing and what an absolutely gorgeous message for our girls to hear you know that you look at yourself in the mirror and you love who you are and you love what you see. 
can you tell me how tall you are and have you reached your maximum height? I think I have reached my maximum height now. I'm I'm four through or four four. So that's the highest I think you can go. I don't think I can go any more than this now. Okay. And other than the fact that your height is there, is there anything else physically that impacts your day? My general body short. So my legs are short and my hands are short. So those are the two main parts that are short. And my back is also, it's not, it's a curved spine. So those are the three different things that happen when you have this condition. So I am short and like, I can't reach things easily, like how anyone can reach. Like, for, for example, like reaching the switches, opening the lights. I can't do it myself if they're high. I have to have my step stools put there so I can reach it. Or even in the bathroom sinks or kitchen sinks, I need my stools there because I can't reach the sink or I can't wash my hands. So I have all my stools placed there. And without the stools, then I can't reach it. Gosh, that, that's a lot to think about. And obviously, and in your home, you can make those things and those adjustments so that life can be a bit more independent for you. Did you struggle in places like shopping centers, restaurants, traveling? Was that something that was often more challenging for you? Yeah, it is. Of course, even in shopping malls, like if we go into a clothes store, I can't, like, if I want a piece of clothing, I can't get it myself. I need to ask for assistance. Or if mom is with me, mom will help me get it down. Like, small things like that. Even at the airport, I can't push the trolley by myself because I'm almost the same height to the trolley. So my hands can't, like, I can't see if there's so many bags. Like, I can't see beyond that point. And... Yeah, like even in restaurants, I have to, like getting on the stool, like chairs sometimes can be tough. Like if they're bar stools, I have to be careful on how I, like how I sit because like how anyone can sit, they can just literally sit and they're fine. I have to climb onto the chairs or I have to climb onto the bar stools. So sometimes it can be a bit tricky, but it's okay now. And even it's part and parcel of my life. So now I'm used to it. So it doesn't really bother me. And I, sometimes I carry, like when you go to hotels and travels and stuff, because the sinks are high, because now we know like the bathroom sinks and everything are high, we carry our fo- my foldable stool with me everywhere. So it's easy. So I can use, like I can do stuff by myself now. So it's nice. It's It's good. I get that feeling of independence is something you crave, right? You don't want to be asking somebody to get something done for you all the time. You want to be able to do it yourself. So I, and a lot of young girls that are growing up, you know, that's the whole mission is I don't want my parents around. I don't want their help. I want to do it myself. So I imagine that conviction for you must be even greater because you're out there trying to do something on your own. And then because there isn't that extra support with a stool or, or things. And I wondered if we could, you know, ideal world if we could as a society try to help everyone feel independent and part of the world small things that we could do to change your experiences in restaurants or change your experiences in changing rooms and shopping centers what small things would help you I think like for example like having a smallest like not a smaller thing but a lower sink would help because then I don't need to like people like me wouldn't need to rely on people to open the tap so they can wash their hands or at least have like the clothes a bit lower down so it's easier for 
girls or boys like me to pick it up and to try it because it does get hard you can't like you don't want to ask people to help you like especially the staff or anyone because sometimes they wouldn't want to help or they would want to help like even switches like some switches should be a bit lower down so it's accessible for anyone to reach yeah and i i think the other question that makes me think about is do they make clothes in regular stores that work for your body type yeah so like i can i can walk into zara or next or h&m and get tops my size so like if it's a size six or size eight that would fit perfectly but like for trousers leggings or joggers anything like that jeans i would need it altered so i would fit into a normal size but just the length needs to be altered so it's according to my size also jackets long sleeve t-shirts all that like everything would fit me perfectly if it's a size six size eight size small but just the length of the sleeves need to be cut to my size because then it becomes too long there's a i think i've mentioned this to you offline before there's a wonderful activist she was a teacher as well called Sinead burke an irish woman who's really shone a light on the fashion industry and called them out on the fact that there are underrepresented groups including herself who are not catered for and there are no models like who look like her there are no clothes made for body types like hers um similar to you she is she's got this a, a smaller body and a sort of stature and i think she's done wonders i think she's been featured on the cover of vogue as one of the forces of fashion and she's done a lot to move the the fashion world on i think there's still probably work to be done uh, on that side of it but it sort of makes me think that thinking about all body types is such an important message for everyone out there. You know, the, the designers, the curators, the fashion show makers, it's, it's important for you to feel as beautiful as everybody else because you are. Yeah, I, I like we actually feel that like we would talk about it that just because like I'm small. I like I would want to like model or I would want to be part of a photo shoot, but it wouldn't be easy for me because it's not that well accepted. Now they're accepting people who are big, like quite big. But like it would be nice if we could model or if we could be part of a photo shoot or a fashion show or anything. It would be great. Let's get that message out there. Anyone listening that is in the fashion world, please start to widen your your reach and really represent full diversity. Really, it's I think it's been interesting to see some things are changing. Like you said, there's more plus size models out there. Definitely when I was growing up, the idea of a darker skin model was rarely ever there. And now you start to see more Asians out there, which is really nice. And it must be important for you to want to be able to see yourself represented. I would actually want to tell parents that that is one of the things that you should actually give a hit to, that any type of fitting or clothing items or, you know, presenting your child into the world or of your school life or anything, it has to be looked into very particularly. Yeah. Are there things that your friends go off and do that you feel possibly that Shani shouldn't be doing because of her condition? Or is that all kind? I know you said you do everything as much as possible to embrace life as normally. I'm going to put that in quotes um, as possible. But what is normal for one family may not be normal for another family. And I, and I wonder how you navigate those times when, let's say, 
a group of girls after their graduation want to go backpacking or, you know, is that ever been something that you've ever come across? Okay, yeah. In her early days, that was a big challenge, yeah, and how we took it off from her school days. So Shani was quite sort of uh, young and at that time, and she needed a lot of help. So the school was very sort of uh, understanding and helpful, and they allowed me to go with her. Not I am as her mom accompanying her, but I'm one of the uh, group teachers or any sort of an assistant to help around with the girls. Yeah, but uh, they were very good. And I think she needed quite a bit of assistance in her young age. And as she grew up and she came to year eight, we allowed her to go, go on her own because by then the teachers were assured and she was quite confident and the friends were very sort of uh, um, supportive and they said they would do anything to help Chani out wherever she needed help they would be assisting her yes now as she's been growing up she went through her teenage years uh, the friends she had she's grown up with they were very good as well they would go backpacking they would go for trips and all and they had always made Chani a part of their uh, group sort of trips yeah and she did manage to do her two three trips with them which was very good she got her confidence there yes they needed to help her here and there but uh, yeah and we're quite open to that that wherever whatever suits her whatever is comfortable to her she's she's more than welcome to do an experience yeah because I think she even needs to experience her normal way of life. And we can't put boundaries or restrictions that no, now she cannot do because of a condition, but um, she has to do it the way she feels even, yeah? So like you said, now growing up, dating and all, yes, <laughs> we are open to that. If she has to go, yeah, she, we are open towards that as well, yeah? It has to be very sensibly done and she has to know, okay, she's going with a correct sort of uh, mindset or, yeah, whom she's mingling with. But it is part and parcel of life and we want her to experience whatever she is um, uh, like she has all the right to experience that part of her life as well yeah <laughs> of course and Shani do you have any aspirations or in your mind what characteristics make a good friend and what make a good partner for you if you could picture the perfect person you'd want to spend time with I think kindness and honesty because that means a lot to me I don't like I want the person to be very honest and also I'm I'm quite honest and because I'm different that person should be honest and I want that person to be kind because I I don't like people beating around the bush or I I don't like any of those things like where there's small gestures or something that makes me happy is also something I'm grateful for. And kindness is a massively important uh, superpower in the Elevate world as well. So I understand the importance of being kind. Well, that's amazing. Shani, what is next for you? What are your hopes? What are your dreams? Where are you heading next? What what kind of amazing new ventures are you planning for yourself? Right now, I'm a graphic designer. I just graduated um, this year. Congratulations. Thank you. And I... I want to work and my dream is to actually work for the Vogue magazine in India since I was like 15, 16 years old is when I really want to be part of like there is Vogue British, there's Vogue, there's all the Vogues but just Vogue India is one and getting a modeling campaign soon so um, 
hoping that could happen. I know that obviously your mum will be the answer to this question, but are there any other role models you have in your life, Shani? My dad and my brother. My brother's one of my main role models as part, like with my dad. But with Vinny, I share a lot. I can talk to him about anything, whether it's my feelings, the same way I can talk to my parents. But that one-on-one we have, or if I'm feeling low, he knows straight away that there is something wrong. So he will pump me up and guide me. The other, my two grandmothers were my role models. Um, They always pampered me. They always loved me. They always looked after me so like their baby. But I would say my family and, of course, my friends. If you could whisper something to yourself now, if you could go back to your teenage little girl self, that little girl that was not sure what she was going to do and maybe what was a little bit scared, what messages might you whisper to her now? Just be who you are. Be comfortable with who you are. No matter what people think, you are who you are. And being comfortable in your own skin is what matters. Whatever everyone else thinks is besides the point. They'll Everyone will have their own thinking, their own ways of judgment. But just being who you are is what makes a difference. Brilliant. And I'm going to ask your mom the same question. When you're young, you're naive and into a fantasized world. Like I told you, I was into more of a glamour and fashion life. Yeah. And my career was based that if I'd actually lived in a world of fantasy and if I'd not accepted the reality, uh, I don't think I would be, I would have actually been able to give this to Shani. Well, I think Shani, I believe that your voice and all of the things that you're doing will help get our young girls feeling good in their own skin. For sure. And I think I would like to tell the moment you bring a closure towards their life, I think when you you accept your child or the condition, the world or the society is going to accept it. Yeah. And that is the most important thing for for any parent to actually. um, That is the first and foremost thing any parent should do. I think what you said is is wonderful. And I think the messages that you have reminded us about, of course, I do think and I do want to emphasize that you're right. Getting to getting to the place of acceptance is is crucial for, for raising the child to be their best. But I think it's important for us to recognize that that is a journey, even getting to that place of acceptance and being patient with yourself and being kind to yourself as a parent to maybe find those strengths and those inner moments where you do feel a bit confused or lost to acknowledge them and to seek support like you did and and that might help you along the journey to acceptance because once you're there life can be beautiful as you say yeah yeah (laughs) well that's wonderful thank you both so much for sharing your journey with me thank you for being part of the program and for and for shedding some light and inspiring us on our own journeys of lifting our girls it has meant a lot to me yeah. Thank you, Thank to, you, you to you as well for supporting and inspiring us as well and inspiring Shani as well because she has this one vision to bring a lot of awareness to people who really needs to be supported as well. I'd like to say thank you to you also for bringing out the awareness through your podcast and whatever part you choose, the world can be changed by you. Do not, you don't need to change for the world. 
Oh, I'm going to bring tears to my eyes. That was beautiful, Shani. Thank you so much, really, both of you. And I wish you so much success. And I hope that the next chapter of your life is as fruitful as, as the one you've just finished. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> and that's everything from us today. Thank you to all of you for joining in and being part of these very important conversations. I hope you will continue to support our cause by sharing the podcast to raise awareness with others. If you get a moment and could rate and review the podcast, I would also be hugely grateful. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to Ryan Prestipino from the Pine Studios for all the hard work that he does to help me bring this podcast to all of you. Until next time, stay well and speak soon. Bye for now.